Just ask Brianna. She's one of the most godly, pure, <laughs> uh, spiritual young people I know. I'm telling you. Praise God. Somebody's going to snatch her up. Amen. But not just anybody, right, Brianna? Amen. Father, we thank you today. Let utterance and revelation be given. Father, knowing and having real insight and comprehension of the Word of God can only come. It does not come by human intelligence. It must be unveiled to us by the Holy Ghost. And what the Holy Ghost requires from the individual who would have the Word of God, its light, its power, its truth, its revelation unveiled to them, they must have a sincere and right and hungry heart. And so, God, I pray that that's who's in this place today, people who have a sincere, right, and hungry heart to know and walk in the light of your word. And uh, that being the case, Father, we trust you, Holy Spirit, to unveil the living word to us, the Lord Jesus Christ, through the written word. And that, God, that it would help and equip and empower us to live life in victory. God, may our lives, as we act on your word, begin to reflect more and more who you are in us to a lost and dying world. We thank you for this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. 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 So we're here in 2 Timothy, just playing with you a little bit. I believe at the Lord's direction. Amen. Staying on this subject that we've been on uh, for a number of weeks now called a sound mind. A sound mind. And before I get ramped up and going, everybody know at 12 what we're going to do? Okay, at 12. Amen. I'm done preaching. And uh, uh, we'll take a 10-minute little recess and reset and get ready for this great wedding ceremony. So nobody leave. All right. It's going to be great. And so that's what we'll do. So 2 Timothy 1 and 7, Paul writing, one minister writing to another minister, a spiritual father to a spiritual son. He says, let's go ahead and read verse 6 and 7. Paul said, Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God, which is in you by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a what? A sound mind. A sound mind. Now, the believer... You know, when he has made a new creation, accepts Jesus as his Lord, instantly, no doubt, without knowing, how could you, as a, uh, as a sinner just a moment ago, a lost person just a moment ago, the moment we accept Jesus as Lord, we're not just saved. We're not just forgiven. We're not just even made a brand new creation. And all those things are true, and aren't you glad? But instantly... We are made heirs of God. We are written into the biggest will you ever knew. And the moment you accept Jesus as Lord as a new legit, I mean legit, before you prayed your first prayer, I mean before you went to your you know before you started serving God, you have a place at the Father's table. Amen. Amen. And all the belongs to the Father's house is instantly yours. Yeah, oh, what a deal. Yeah. We're staying here for a moment, but in Romans chapter 8, around verse 16, it says, For we are heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. 
think about. We're not a sub-heir. We're not getting a small little minute fraction of an inheritance from the Father's house. All that Jesus won and purchased and has been made available is instantly ours the moment we accept Him as Lord. And that inheritance is so vast and so comprehensive. You find Paul in the first chapter of the book of Ephesians praying according to the leading of the Spirit. And he's saying, oh, Father, give these Christians the spirit of wisdom and revelation. You can interpret that this way. The word wisdom means see, and the word revelation means know. So he's praying, Father, I pray for these Christians that you would give them the ability to see and know. Let the eyes of their understanding, their hearts be enlightened, that they might know what is the hope of your calling on their life. And number two, what is the riches, the riches of the glory of thine inheritance that's in the saints. What is he saying? The inheritance that you have as a Christian is so big, so great, so deep, so wide, so wonderful, so mm, that you're going to have to have the help of the Holy Ghost to see it, to get it, to comprehend it. Amen? See, I'm not just saved, I'm healed. And I'm not just saved and healed, I'm blessed. And I'm not just saved, healed, and blessed, I've got the name of Jesus that gives me authority over the devil and demons. And I'm not just all that, I also have the gifts of the Holy Ghost. I have the joy of God, the love of God, the peace of God. I've got angels. All of this you do too, I'm nothing special. Amen. But it belongs. What? It all belongs. And see, what's so sad is in a lot of churches you just get preached one little sliver of, of what God's made available. Right. Salvation. Yeah. And boy, I'm telling you, that's vital. You don't get to enter into all these other things I've been talking about until you get born again. But you need to go on from the cross to the upper room. The Bible says that the, what, what the Bible calls the infilling or the empowerment being baptized with the Holy Spirit is God's down payment. Yeah. It's called in the New Testament the earnest. Yeah. You ever put earnest money down on a home? You got to put a little down payment down to keep it, take it off the market? Yeah, well, the, the down payment on the believer's inheritance is none other but the third person of the Godhead. I mean, how big is our inheritance? Bigger than you think. Bigger than you know. Bigger than I know. And one of the things that belong to us, that is part of our inheritance, is a sound mind. Come on. And the longer I live and the darker these days gets, the more I'm grateful for that part of my inheritance. I'm not just saved. I'm not just filled with the Spirit. I'm not just blessed with the name. I'm not just supplied and protected. And I'm not just physically healed. I have a sound mind. Come on. But having a sound mind, every part of the believer's inheritance is not going to just fall on you like a ripe cherry off a tree. You have to lay hold. And as my spiritual father said, you cannot have what you are not taught. That's why it's important to submit your life to a pastor, a real one. Amen. And, and to someone who's further along in the faith than you. Yeah. 
so that you can be taught. Amen. Amen. And uh, this is true for a sound mind. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 for a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And uh, I'll show you something here. Now, for our visitors, guests, new folks, I stopped writing in my notes, in my drafting of sermons and things. I stopped writing conclusions a long time. You know, they teach you, you write an introduction, get, grab their attention, then the meat of your sermon, one, two, three, point, sub-point, scripture. And then you culminate everything with a conclusion. I never finish. I, 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 would, I would write these, what I thought were great conclusions, and I never got to them. So we just don't do that around here. We just stop and come back. We just stop and come back. So if you feel like we leave you wanting, that's purposeful. We're hoping that leaving you wanting, you'll be back next week. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 16. Let's notice how this chapter ends. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? But we have, we have the mind of Christ. <laughs> Do we appreciate those words? We have the mind of Christ. Oh, I don't feel like, I don't act like, I don't look like I have, but notice the Bible says what you have. You have to receive these things by faith. Amen? We have the mind of Christ. One of the ways we're to interpret that is to know and understand that when you face things in life, and dads and moms and leaders and all of us as individuals making decisions, we as Christians have a covenant right to know what Jesus' mind is about that. Amen. We have the right to access His thoughts about our individual lives and situations. His mind knows whether we should take that job, go to that church, live in this city, marry that person. Amen. And really, one of the key things to access the mind of God is to act interested in what He thinks. Too few Christians live with any interest at all in what God actually thinks about their life, about their, about their situation. But He does, and He cares about you. He loves you, and He's got thoughts. But it is also true that we should interpret this. We have the mind of Christ. Christ's mind, what kind of mind is it? It's sound. It's not a dangerous mind. It's not a, a schizophrenic mind. It's not a crazy mind. Amen. It's not an, his mind is not unstable. He's not confused. How about this? The mind of Christ is not overcome with worry and anxiety. I mean, you know, Christ never had an uh, anxiety attack. I'm not belittling, I'm just saying, but what has God authored? What has God made available for us? Jesus is not down. Jesus is not depressed. Jesus is not oppressed. Jesus is not suicidal. Jesus is not reckless. Jesus thinks right. And we have, come on, the mind of Christ. 
praise God. Well, just like when I found out that healing for my body was His will, then I went after it. I'm still going after it. You know, just because someone's died and left you an inheritance doesn't mean that you don't have anything to do. you got to appropriate. You might have to get the title of that car in your name. You, you're going to have to do some stuff. Amen? But it's yours. Legally, it's yours. And a sound mind belongs to you. And a sound mind belongs to me. If you were here, I know many of you weren't, but if you were here last week, you remember that we talked about living free from depression. And uh, when, I'm, when we deal with this issue, this issue, not making fun of that, if you're dealing with depression, you are not alone. Uh, I have dealt with depression. I think every human that's lived on the earth for a few minutes has, <laughs> knows what it's like to feel blue. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And listen, church, you figured this out. It doesn't matter how spiritual you get, how mature in the Lord you become, feelings are going to come. You and I, we're going to have circumstances come into our life we'd rather not have. We're going to have circumstances and situations that we would just rather not have to deal with. And we are going to be made to feel things mentally and emotionally that are dark and heavy and troubling and, and worrisome. But God has not left us helpless in this circumstance. We have the mind of Christ available to us. He has given unto us the spirit of power, the spirit of love, and a spirit of a sound mind. And of course, the Amplified, as we've been studying that, gives four attributes to a sound mind. A sound mind is a calm mind. A sound mind is a well-balanced mind. In other words, it's not a mind, it's not a mindset or a way of thinking that is quick to run to the extreme. Some people are extremists in their thinking. And they're, they're no fun to be around. Right? Because you can't just live on the extremities of life and thoughts and emotions every day and be stable. You have to be stable. And then he goes on, or the Amplified goes on and says, number three, the sound mind is a disciplined mind. I don't have time to preach on that, but you should go back as I've dealt with that. Your mind will not be sound if you just entertain every thought that comes. Because the devil is going to make sure, familiar spirits are going to make sure they plant and offer you all kinds of thoughts. And if you take those thoughts... And you make them your own by rolling them around and begin to meditate and daydream and rehearse those thoughts, your mind becomes unsound. Yes. A sound mind is a disciplined mind. In other words, you're thinking about what you're thinking about. And you're filtering. You've got a tight filter. In other words, you've got a Praetorian guard at the gate of your mind. We couldn't even get into the ball game last night. I mean, there's a you know, person there, and they did this new electronic ticket thing, and they said, you're just going to have to stand over here until you get it figured out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you don't want my cash. All right. So, and, you know, but we need to have someone at the gate of our mind. And does this thought, does this thought, is it in harmony with the mind of Christ? Is it in harmony with the Word of God? If it's not, what are we to do with it? Cast it down. Resist it. Kick it out. Don't think like that. 
Well, that's going to, that puts a responsibility on you, doesn't it? Because you won't know what thoughts are right and what thoughts are wrong if you don't know the Word. That's right. Yes, right. So are you in the Word? You need to, because it's, it's not what the culture says and it's not what social media is buzzing about that's right. It's what does He say? How does He think? He never changes. And, can we be humble about this and just say, uh, whatever God said in His Word, it's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. It's right. And if I find myself in the Word and expose myself to a Scripture that is contrary to the way I think, what's the humble person going to do? You don't go, la, 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 I didn't read that Scripture. <laughs> you're, you're wrong. If you're going to be humble and right, you're going to change the way you think so that it harmonizes with what's written. And that is the only way to, to be empowered when wrong thoughts come to know how to answer. Amen. And then that fourth thing was a self-controlled mind, which goes right along with discipline. Amen. Let me read this off my notes here. Feeling depressed and blue is something we all deal with in our lives. We all are going to have to deal with pressures, setbacks, disappointments, and loss. And as Christians, we need to learn how to respond to negative feelings and negative emotions so that we don't get sidelined in life. Emotion is part of our human makeup. We are created in the likeness and image of God, and God is an emotional being. God feels. God gets exhilarated. God gets excited. God has feelings of love and joy and peace. Amen? God is also capable of being irritated. Sometimes with you. Sometimes with me. If you read his dealings with the children of Israel in the wilderness, you know, they put him through all kinds of stuff. And God just felt it all. He's frustrated. He, Moses had to talk, I think 10 times Moses interceded for the children of Israel because God in his feelings was like, I'm done, I'm done with these people. I'm going to wipe them out and start over with you, Moses. And I mean, that's a scripture. And Moses literally prayed and interceded and talked God out of how he felt. He said, it repenteth me that I have made Israel. That word means, I, I'm sorry that I made them. And I'm going to wipe them out. And I'm going to start over with you. Now, aren't you glad that God, even God, does not always act in line with what he feels at any given moment? I mean, if he did, none of us would be here. We'd all be part of the pavement out there. Isn't that right? We're created in His likeness. We're cre God gets angry. In the Old Testament, the Bible said that God is angry with the wicked every day. Now that's not true anymore because all that anger and wickedness He put on Jesus at the cross. He's not angry at the world today. He's not okay with what the world does. Anyway, so for you and I to have a sound mind, to live the life God's really authored for us, is to learn to live separate from how we feel a great much of the time. Amen. Dr. Lester Summerall, he made this statement, if you live by your feelings 
you will always be out of communication with God. If you live out of your feelings, you will live separated from communication with God. Because, listen, why is that, John? God is not communicating anything to you through your feelings. We don't contact God through our emotions. So if you act in line with your emotions, you're acting out of his, outside of His influence. God's a spirit. You're a spirit. He's going to communicate to you through your spirit. So again, if you're, if you're living according to your feelings, you're, no doubt you're no fun to be around very often. Amen? Because feelings are fickle and fleeting. I feel one thing one moment, something totally opposite the next. Right? And we've learned as human beings that to, to govern our emotions at least to a degree. Or none of us would go to work for a year. <laughs> none of us would put up with a lot of the stuff that we put up with. The spirit of slap would come on us and we'd all be under assault, assault charges. Because we went to Walmart. You know, people are crazy. Sometimes you're crazy. So we've learned in some way, right, in some degree, that we have to govern the way that we feel and live separate from that. Church, victory is not, you will not find victory in your soul. Your mind, your will, your emotions. Doesn't mean your soul's evil, but you won't find victory there. Victory is in the Spirit. Victory is in learning to live out of your born-again Spirit. Where did God put the fruit of love? Not in your soul. In your Spirit. Where is the fruit of joy? In your Spirit. Where is His peace? In your Spirit. Where is He going to talk to you? In your Spirit. The way God designed a human being is that they would live full of God and have a strong spirit that would make the soul, mind, will, and emotions, its servant. Your soul should be your servant, not your master. That means you should not be mastered by your feelings, by your emotions. Amen? You should master them. And this is a key, key thing to understand if you're going to live free from depression. Amen? If you just accept, I I think for me, I don't know about you, but I know for me, to be depressed, all I have to do is nothing. I, I I don't know what it is about. Humanity, the human makeup, maybe it's just me. But if you just do nothing, you, you don't have anyone behind the steering wheel. It seems like to me the, the default position would be, hmm. And the devil's right there to help you. Pile on. Highlight everything that's bad, everything that's wrong, everything people have done to you. And you can just get consumed with this way of thinking. And then you, you, you know, and you go very sincerely and you say, well, I just, I'm really depressed. I don't know what I do. And all they're going to do is give you a pill. But that's not the, that's not the, that's not the highest answer. It's not the best answer for that. So again, let me, uh, 
Let me say this. If you'll learn to develop your spirit and your spiritual life and keep your body and soul submitted to your spirit, then life for you will be a complete joy. You'll be a blessing everywhere you go. Because it's out of your spirit that God's going to live out of you. And it's going to be the wellspring out of which the blessings of God and the nature and character of God spill out from the source, from the Holy Ghost to your spirit, and the spirit out to your mind, your will, your emotions, governing your body. You can learn to do that, and life will be different for you. But you won't get there overnight. Because you've lived a lot of years on this life, dominated by the mind, dominated by your senses, dominated by the appetites of your body. But if you'll stay with it, I said, if you'll stay with it, amen, get in the right church, get around the right people, read your Bible every day, be a doer of the word, practice the word, think the word, change, God will transform your life. Another quote from Dr. Summerall, we must make our solical parts servant to our spiritual parts. If we don't do that, we cannot be what God wants us to be. You and I will never be in life what God wants us to be with the soul number one. Because He didn't create, you know, I know we got new people here. Spirit, soul, and body, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. That's how God made us. Spirit, soul, and body. And that's the right order. The spirit should be first before the soul. But most, most Christians, if you just be honest about it, they live soul first. They feed their soul all week. Media, input, movies, all of this filth. And maybe they feed their spirit one cold snack a week. And they wonder why they're weak spiritually. You can't do that and, and be a strong Christian. Hallelujah. You can't be an Eastern Christian, uh, Christmas Christian and be strong in these last days. You just can't do it. So he says, we cannot be what God wants us to be. We cannot be the lights of the world until we become the commander of our soul. Did you get that? Can you comprehend that? I believe you can. Let me give you an illustration. This young man, when he was a young man, Smith, uh, uh, excuse me, Dr. Summerall in his 20s had an opportunity for, I don't know, several months to fellowship privately in Smith Wigglesworth's home. Wigglesworth was in his 80s and uh, Lester Summerall was in his early 20s and this was right before uh, the Germans came across the, the uh, channel there in World War II. Because that's, why, that's how their relationship kind of ended. Because all Americans had to leave. The British government got rid of it because the Germans are coming. And, uh, but in his time of fellowship, young Sumrall asked Wigglesworth a good question. Now, if you don't know who Wigglesworth is, he changed the world and still changing it. He raised 23 people from the dead, historically confirmed. 23 people. Like he'd throw a corpse up against the wall and fall down on the floor. People would go, ha! Ah! He'd say, shut up. And he'd throw it. And by the third time, they, they're back and they're walking. One time, Smith, history records it. Take this deformed, dead little infant. And he drop-kicked the baby to the congregation's horror. 
across the platform and it bounced three times like a skipping rock. But when it stopped skipping, it jumped up like, hi, I'm healed. I mean, just like wild stuff. One time he went into, he was walking down the sidewalk and he saw this weight going on in one room. And the dead body of the person of the family was doing the wake was down the sidewalk a little bit in another room. And he went in there and grabbed the, he didn't even ask permission. He just went in there and grabbed the corpse through to the horror of everyone in the community, <laughs> threw the dead body over his shoulder, walked outside down the sidewalk into where the wake was going on, where the family and friends were, found an empty chair, threw the corpse in the chair and says, brother so-and-so's got a testimony. And he went like that and came back to life. If you don't know who Smith Wigglesworth was, get in the bookstore. I'm talking about an unusual man of faith. Young Summerall asked this man, how do you get up in the morning? How do you start your day? How do you get up in the morning? I like that question. That's a good question. And he said, I get up and I dance before the Lord for 10 minutes. And he said, Wigglesworth never asks Wigglesworth how he feels. Wigglesworth tells Wigglesworth how he feels. What do you mean Wigglesworth talking to Wigglesworth? Do you know in your Psalms, all over the book of Psalms, you can find David talking to David. David talking to David. You ever read that? He would go, it's David writing, he goes, soul. Why art thou downcast, O my soul? It sounds very poetic, but what is it? It is a man out of his spirit talking to his depressed soul, saying, Why art thou downcast, O my soul? Hope in God. He, David is preaching to himself. The spirit part preaching to the down part. You've got to learn to let your spirit part talk to your soul. David talking to David said, uh, uh, well, how does Psalm 103 verse, you know, it said, bless the Lord, oh my soul. See, he's, he's telling his soul, soul, you don't feel like it, but bless the Lord. Get yourself up and bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all your... David didn't utter those powerful words to a congregation of Jews. He preached it to himself. Are you with me? you got to preach to yourself. Preach yourself out of deception. Out of, uh, well, that'd be good too, but preach yourself out of depression. <laughs> Amen. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Hope thou in God. David learned to encourage himself, and you're going to have to also. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Now, last week, the Lord had highlighted to me seven divine answers that God has given in answer to depression when it comes. And so depression, enemy number one, God gangs up with seven answers. There's probably more, but I, I got seven. I gave them to you. I'll list them, and then I just I have a little time. Maybe I can highlight one of them. 
Amen. We, uh, number one, a sound mind is a weapon against uh, depression. Number two is hope. Hope. Number three is praise. Number four is confession. We talk, we're just talking about you talk your way out of depression. You know, people think themselves and talk themselves into depression. They think and talk themselves into being suicidal. People think and talk themselves into rebellious behavior. People think and talk themselves into all kinds of addictions and sins. If you can think your way in, you can think your way out. And the very definition of the word repent means change your thinking. It doesn't mean feel sorry because I got caught. It means change your thinking, change your direction. No one has repented until the thinking changes and until the direction changes. And your direction won't change until your thinking changes. <laughs> I think it's so great. In the book of Acts, you can find yourself. Paul is in chains. Paul is in prison. And in this time, at this point in his life, he won't ever not be a prisoner. He will be a prisoner for several more years until they take his head from him. And he finds himself before King Agrippa. Amen? Amen. And this was actually God's divine plan to get Paul in front of kings to witness the gospel. He did it through chains. And uh, Paul gets in front of King Agrippa and the whole court and everybody's around. And King Agrippa says, you may speak for yourself. And one of the first things this man of God gets up and says in front of the king, he says, oh king, I think myself happy. <laughs> Read it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, I'm in prison. He said, I think myself happy. How come you're not happy? Well, and they just want to, people want to tell me their tale of woe. Pastor, could I take you to lunch? No. 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 Because I can tell. You want to get me there for two hours? Amen. And you want to tell me your tale of woe? Now, if you don't want to tell me your tale of woe, I might be interested. Amen. Paul said, I think myself happy. And you can think yourself happy and talk yourself happy. Number five is joy and rejoicing. We'll come back to that for 12 minutes here. Then number six is peace. And number seven is the anointing. Now, go with me quick. Isaiah 61. Oh, hallelujah. Now, I would, I really... People who don't know Jesus, people who are baby, and they, they're carnal, they're, they're, they've never developed their spiritual life. In these days, with what you hear people are going through, the abuse, the broken families, the darkness, the despair, the hurt, the pressure, and you don't know the Lord. And you don't know, if you know the Lord, you don't know what you have in the Lord. I'm not condoning it, but I, I get why someone like that runs to what they run to. They, why they run to a bottle, why they run to a bed, why they run to a, a needle or a pill or whatever. But I'm telling you, for anyone in this room to do that, that's been here any time, you're forsaking far superior help. 
to go do that. And you'll only make the problem worse. Because you're opening up the door to demonic spirits to get in on you. So, Isaiah 61. Y'all doing good? Look at the time, man. We're doing great. Praise God. It's a miracle happening right here. Isaiah 61. Now, Jesus, remember, this was His key text that He preached when He was on the earth. The first, it says where He went, His habit was to get up in the synagogue in any city or village and take this text. So it says, the Spirit of the Lord, verse 1, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach or proclaim good news, good tidings unto the meek or to the poor. He hath sent me to what? Bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and opening of the prison to them who are bound. If you're in the prison of depression and oppression, there's a way out. And your way out is a who? It's a he. His name is Jesus. Verse 2, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Now, many other translations on that vengeance, that's not vengeance toward you. Other translations say, and I'm here to, uh, I'm anointed to proclaim and to bring about and to tell you about the day of the Lord's vengeance on your enemies. Amen. And then, notice what it says. To comfort all who mourn. Look at that. What's another name of the Holy Ghost? He's the comforter, isn't he? Where is he? He's in us. The comforter is in us. He's there to comfort you. Then it says in verse 3, To appoint, what's appointed for you? To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes. If life and decisions, and other people have rendered your life a pile of ashes? God has an answer for that. He'll, give you, he'll take your pile of, If you'll give Jesus your pile of ashes, He'll give you beauty instead. Why would anybody say no to the Lord? I don't know. I'll give you beauty for ashes. He's done that in my life. When I came to him, I looked like a big pile of ashes. I really did. Amen. I'll give you beauty for ashes. Now notice this. Mark this. The oil of joy. The oil of joy for mourning. What is God's answer for those who mourn? The oil of joy. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. This is God letting you know what His prescription is. His answer to mourning. When you lose a loved one, if tragedy came, if you lost a dream, you lost a job, you're grieving, you're mourning, or everything's going right in your life, but you are just blue. You are just a gloomy gust. God has an answer. 
the word oil throughout the Old and New Testament is type, it's a type word. It's, it signifies the Holy Ghost and the anointing. So he's literally saying, for your mourning, I appoint for you the anointing of joy. Or the Spirit's working, the working of the Spirit that produces joy. I give that to you who mourn. To you who are dealing with the spirit of heaviness, that's a Bible way of saying depression. I give to you the garment of praise. Now a garment is something you put on. A garment is something you put on on purpose. Amen? I didn't throw the jacket up in the air and go like this and it fall right on me. This You put it on. Amen. And the mind, the unrenewed mind, the inexperienced Christian, and the devil will chime into the mind and say, praise is not enough. Praise is not enough to get you out of depression. Praise is not enough. The oil of joy, that's not enough. That's not enough to rid me of these negative emotions that I have, these feelings that I have. Listen, if the Bible's true, and it is, then oil, the anointing of joy, come on, amen, and the garment of praise is enough. And I have proved it myself. Anybody else? Anybody else? I have proved it myself. Listen, when you have thrown everything at your situation, I threw the name and the blood, and I threw the cracker and the juice, and I threw the word and prayer and speaking in tongues, and I've thrown everything at it, and I'm still in this place, praise will get the job done. Praise will get the job done when nothing else will get the job done. When you just stand there in the midst of the way you feel, you stand there in the midst of dark circumstances and you raise your hands and say, Father, I praise you, I worship you, I glorify you, I look to you, I fix my eyes on you, I magnify you. Woo! You will not stay. You will not stay the way you Started and it may. I'm telling you, I've been there. I know it feels dry at first. I praise the Lord. I praise the Lord. I praise the Lord. Oh, I praise God. I praise God. Oh, you don't feel like praising. Amen. I got four minutes. Let's go to Psalm 126. Oh, I got to be a little careful here because the Holy Ghost might break out on us. And we only got four minutes. The Holy Ghost is in this place. The presence of God. Woo! And if you'll just open your little gloomy heart, open yourself up, you sourpuss. Make yourself smile. Get your eyes off you. Look at Him. He's for you, not against you. He's your answer, not your problem. Amen. Look at this. Look at this. Psalm 126, verse 1. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter. Uh -huh. And our tongue was singing. They said among the heathen. They said it in front of those who don't believe. The Lord 
has done great things for us. Amen. Amen. Verse 3 repeats it. The Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are mad as a hornet. <laughs> no, no, no. Come on, some of you look like you've been sucking on a pickle for 30 years. Come on. There you go. Laugh. Even medical science has got this figured out. They have cancer patients laugh. You get in there and laugh. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, praise God. Oh, two minutes, two minutes, two minutes. The Lord has done great things for us whereof we are glad. We're glad. Turn again, verse 4, our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Now notice, here's the verse I want you to see. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Now, the Lexham, L-E-X-H-A-M, English Bible, translates it this way. Those that sow in tears shall reap with joy or with rejoicing. Get this, get this before we go wedding. Get, get this. You, you're in tears. It's a bad day. You're feeling down. You're depressed. But you have to sow. You have to sow a seed. And you sow it in tears. You sow it. You sow your praise. You sow your faith. You stir up joy. You don't feel like it. But you're sowing in tears. Here's how you reap. You reap with rejoicing. Come on, we're under 60 seconds. Where's Farmer Jerry at? Farmer Jerry, what are you going to reap your crop with? You're going to do a sickle? What are you going to reap it with? Speak up. We want to all hear you. What are you going to reap it with? What are you going to use? A combine. He's going to use a tool to reap the harvest. How do you reap joy? How do you reap a harvest from God? With rejoicing. You say, I rejoice. Glory to God. I rejoice. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I give you praise. I rejoice. I rejoice. Hallelujah. You express joy, joy, joy. And joy will get the bubbling up on the inside of you. Ha, glory to God. Oh, you, you may be crying. You may be crying. You're sowing in tears, but you're reaping with joy. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. Glory to God. Say, I know it looks bad, Father, but it's going to turn. It's going to turn. You're going to turn my captivity. I feel bad right now, but I'm feeling better. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, so, think about that this week. Get from tears to joy and laughter and comfort by climbing up in the combine of expressing praise and joy, even when you don't feel like it, and you'll reap a good harvest. Amen. 60 seconds of grace, that's all I'm going to get. So, amen. Did you get something out of that? All right. Well, God has some more for us, and we're going to...
sow some time and not go anywhere, praise. Now, if you have to, we understand. But uh, let's take a 10-minute break, reset, get the wedding party all set, and God's going to move in a different way. And it's going to be good. Amen? All right, so the restrooms are right out there. Take a quick break, and we'll see you in 10 minutes.